Welcome to Hoops Coaching A to Z with Coach Terry Canova. This is a deep dive into everything coaching. Join my husband and his coaching friends from around the country as they explore the ins and outs of their profession. Big thanks to everyone who's contributed to making this podcast a huge success in its first year, reaching over 14 countries. Please continue to help the podcast grow by subscribing, leaving a five-star comment, and sharing it with your friends. Here you go, sweetie. I think you can take it from here. So these days, a lot of people are talking about, hey, make sure you go to your mom and pop stores and and buy locally and support your your local businesses. Well, that's what we are with Toes in the Sand Travel. We love doing what we do, and we love helping our friends out. And keep in mind, there are no fees ever from us. We get paid on the back end by the vendor. So please support your local business. It really means a lot to us, and we'd love to help. Tell them a little bit about it, Kim. One thing I want to add to that, because yes, absolutely, we appreciate any support. Uh, But we take this very personally. I answer my phone pretty much 24 hours a day, a text message, a phone call. If you are on, uh, off on the destination somewhere and you have an issue, uh, I'm ready to answer the phone. And you don't always get that um, with these larger companies. Sometimes it's hard to get someone to help you. So that's something that I think makes us a little bit different, sets us apart. Uh, we'll hold your hand from the beginning to the end. And then I want to know all about it. I want to see pictures. I want to know what you loved and what you may want to do differently next time because it means a lot to me and these people are more like our family by the te- by the time we finish the process. So yeah, Toes in the Sand Travel, please give me or Kim the opportunity to match or beat any quotes you had. It doesn't cost you a penny to reach out. Let us know what you're looking at. Let us know what kind of quotes you've gotten so far and let us see what we can do to make that better for you. We'd love to help you out. Happy New Year, everybody. We are excited about this week's episode of Hoops Coaching A to Z. And one of the things we try and do is cover every aspect of coaching that we can think of. And this week, we've got a pretty unique guest in that not only do we have a good basketball coach, we've got someone who coaches the leading scorer in the country. So um, many of us will never know how that feels. But uh, today I got Coach Dave, David Armstrong from Baker High School visiting with us, and, and we're going to chat a little bit about the, uh, the pros and cons of having one of the best players in America on your team. Good morning, Coach. What's happening? Good morning, Coach. Good to see you today. Good to see you in the new year. Happy to be on this. You know, I've listened to your podcast several times since you started it, and it's kind of cool to actually be a guest on it. So I thank you for reaching out to me today. Yeah, man, I, I think it's going to be fun. You, you know, sometimes we're guilty. We, uh, you, you right here in our backyard, and uh, we all get guilty of reaching out and finding people, and we have so many good coaches in this area. Heck, I was thinking about this yesterday. I haven't even had Coach Knapp from UMS on here yet, and uh, he's, he, you know, he's in the same school. He's in the office next door. Come on now. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Uh, I also want to have Coach Coach Terry Curtis, you know, we had uh, yeah. we, we had the coach at uh, at Bayside, um, the, the volleyball coach. It's the only mm-hmm. non-basketball uh, coach we've had on here so far. Uh, 
And uh, but but well, she's there's broke. a non non basketball coach you're gonna get. That's a good one. That one <laughs> won what twenty something straight title state titles. I don't think anybody uh, will ever beat that record. No, un unbelievable. Ann Schilling over there at Bayside, and and uh, and then you know Coach Curtis is 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 the goat uh, on on the football realm around here. So I've got to get him soon mm -hmm. for sure. Uh, Absolutely. Well, well, Coach, uh, before we get to start talking about the recruiting part and all that other stuff, so looking at your at your career, uh, looks like you've been been at Baker since about 2013. Uh, is is Baker the only place you've been? Yeah, so it's the only place I've ever taught or coached. Um, I I graduated from Baker in 2003, um, and it took me way too long to get my college degree um uh so i didn't do, i didn't graduate from college until 2013 um and when i graduated college my wife was already teaching at baker uh, she had been here for about five years so i luckily mr richards and the principal at the time decided to hire me um and so i got the chance to come on as a social studies teacher and at the time i was coaching I was the assistant freshman football coach and assistant JV basketball coach. Um, I tell the story all the time. I came into teaching and coaching thinking I'd be a baseball coach. Uh, played baseball in high school, was pretty good at it. I played basketball in high school, but the only reason I ever played basketball is because I was the tallest kid in school. So I, the only reason I sat on a basketball floor. Um, but Coach Blackaby at the time had given me a chance to come coach um, some basketball. Um, did that for a couple of years. He decided to step down and we had another coach, Coach Deacon, got hired on um, as the varsity coach and I became his JV head coach. And at the same time, I became the freshman football head coach and a JV baseball coach. So I finally got on the baseball diamond. Um, and then I did that for two years um, and fell even deeper in love with coaching basketball over those two years. Coach Deacon taught me a lot about the X's and O's and kind of the backside of, you know, basketball that I wasn't quite good at yet. Um, and then he stepped down to take a job as a grad assistant at uh, Northwestern State in Louisiana. And uh, I, they luckily hired me late July of that year. Um, and I've been the head coach. This is my sixth season at Baker. Um, and we've been pretty, pretty successful. So I get to coach at my alma mater. Um, we've gone to the final four twice in those, in my first five seasons um and won over 100 games in those first five and we've we've been fairly successful and we're trying our best to make it back to a third final four and hopefully make it into the state championship game and maybe win one this year yeah i know you guys have had a lot of success it's uh it's always unique when we have someone on here and we talk about the, the, the different paths and, and 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 how you get where you get and you know with the with the Deion Sanders situation being in the headlines, you know, he has a, a great player who who becomes a coach. And 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 the thing we, we talk about often is you don't necessarily have to be a Deion Sanders to be a great, great coach in your sport. You know, I, I think that the example I give is just because you you're a good chemistry student doesn't mean you can teach chemistry class. You know, it, it, it's about the teaching method, it's about uh, probably more more than anything, it's about how much you are willing to learn, how much you're willing to get out of your comfort zone, and, and just just rub elbows with people and, and go to clinics and watch films and, and and do those type of things. And 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 so you know, again, you're just another example of someone who 
you were a baseball player, but but now you know a very very successful basketball coach. Yeah, I think I think being a great coach is has very little to do with how you can play the game. I think it has a lot more to do with are you a lifelong learner? Are you willing to learn the game? Are you willing to try something new? Are you willing to do whatever is necessary to make the group of guys or girls that you have at this point in time be successful? You know, I, what I could have run my first year as head coach really won't work with what I have now. So you have to be constantly learning, constantly trying to get better. You know, like I said earlier, I've listened to your podcast plenty of times trying to learn stuff. You know, I've listened to other podcasts. I listen, I go to clinics when I get the opportunity to. Um, I Google whatever I need the answer to. I'm, I'm not afraid to steal something from somebody. Anytime I watch film on somebody, I steal their play. You know, if I like it, I'll steal it and put it in a playbook and use it another day. You talked about coaching Nap. Heck, I've stolen plays from him all over the time. Every time I've watched film on him, you know, I think to be a great coach, it's all about what you're willing to do to get better for the next day. If you ever think you're too good to get better, you might need to hang them up, you know, put the whistle up and go do something different. Uh, and I'm, I can tell you right now, I'm not good enough to do that yet. I'm, I'm going to keep, keep learning, keep trying to get better. Uh, absolutely. It's uh it's it's really cool, you know, for me with this podcast. I think this this is episode maybe forty nine, and and I'm I'm telling you, Coach, every episode I learn something new, and I've I've done this now for 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 thirty plus years, but but every episode it's it, it we learn something new, and 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 you you take ideas, and you and you you not only steal ideas, but you shape them to 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 fit your personnel and fit your team. I, I think I think sometimes. People are guilty of of you see it you see a great set, and you just take that set. Well, I think the important thing is you take it and you make it your own. You you take it and, and make it fit your personality. You know, I might see you run a set that uh, you know for for, for Phylon and uh, it, I, I don't have a player that can make that shot, so that that set don't fit me. Or, you know, I can watch, you know, watch a men's basketball game and watch somebody drop an alley-oop. Well, that alley-oop dunk for me might be, might hopefully be a backside layup, you know. Uh, but, but yeah, you got to take things and you, you've got to make them your own. And every episode, I, I'll tell you this one. So I, I just saw this the other day. And, I, and, and again, it's not what you teach, it's what you emphasize. My wife and I were having this conversation and, and, and you can't do everything you see because it's just not, not enough time to, to emphasize everything but and you may do this coach so I forget what coach it was but during a timeout he has his players sit in order one two three four five in order of their position now I've been coaching 30 years I haven't been smart enough to figure that out on my own you know but but it's such a great idea because think about how many times we get in a timeout and I'm like, okay, who's in the game right now? And who, you, you know, and you know, you you take a few seconds just to figure out who the heck is in the game. And I know with with, with my team, it's so fluid. I'm a, I've got one player who could be in at the two for one minute, and the next minute she could be in for my five. You know, and, and so again, just little things like that that you take and you adjust and you steal and and you make them suit your personnel. I think it was what, what it's all about. And, and and you hit the nail on the head when you talk about a, a lifetime learner. Yeah, I mean, I get to the point, and when I, I had to teach myself this during during season time, I have to quit listening to basketball podcasts or I have to quit listening to, you know, 
clinics or going over notes or whatever else because my brain will start trying to think of how I can make it work for my team today. And now, you know, I, I can remember one time I was listening to some podcast that Chris Oliver was doing and they were talking about the tagging up offensive rebounds um, system. And I'm like, that sounds great. And then I'm thinking, well, how do I put that in in a day? And right. then you're like, wait, I can't do that. And so I've kind of learned that, you know, now I don't, I try not to listen to basketball stuff during the season because it just muddles my brain. I'd rather think about things I already know how to teach that I already know that I can go in and put in a game or a practice and not have to, you know, confuse my players or myself. And I can be locked in on what's happening now as opposed to what I want to have happen in the future. And I, I, that's a big part of being <laughs> me growing as a coach is I can't, I can't let all that noise mess me up. So now I just, when I want to listen to stuff, which I'm a big podcaster, book listener. So I listen to books about history or, you know, some fiction book that I find that might suit my fancy so that I can have some way to decompress and have something to listen to and not be working in my brain all the time about basketball. So, yeah, yeah, no, no doubt. I, it, it can, it can get muddy up there. You know, when you, when, when you hear a great idea and you're like, okay, you know, it, number one with me, I'm not the most organized person on the planet, you know? So, so number one, if, if, I see it. I write it down. If if I don't incorporate it then, and then I put it in a folder, Lord knows I might not see it for three years, you know, and then run across it again. <laughs> I have a huge folder in my notes folder of things I've stolen off Twitter or taken off Twitter and like saved the note so that I can go back and look at it later. And I can count on my hand the number of times I've actually gone through it and tried to find something, but it's all there just in case I ever want to go look up a baseline set or you know, a ball screen motion, something, whatever. It's there. I just, I guess it's easier for me to just put it in a way and then I can go find it later if I really need to. And I keep every clinic note. I have, fold, I have a big old folder in my filing cabinet from clinic notes, you know, and stuff that I can go back to. And once a year, I usually kind of phone through them and see what I see what I like and what I need to bring back out or research again. But, you know, it's, it's a, it's a never ending battle in the off season of trying to figure out what I want to do next. And a lot of times you end up going back to what you already did, but you just try to tweak it with some of the things you found. That's usually what I do. And then, like you've said, I've got LeBaron. So it's a lot different trying to figure out a play when you've got a kid that can play like he can. It's a big difference. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, speaking of LeBaron, so, you know, Again, none of us, none of us, but not many of us have, have had the opportunity that you have right now with LeBaron and and um, tremendous player, obviously junior. Uh, I think the, la the last time someone mentioned that he was averaging over 40 points a game. Um, let, t talk a little bit, bit about him first before we get into the recruiting part and, and, and tell us a little bit about what makes him special for you. So for those that don't know who he is, his name's LeBaron Phylon. Um, he graduated, he's a junior, he's with class of 2024. Um, in the last rankings I saw, he was ranked like number 40 or so in the country, depending on which ranking you got. Um, he's usually, I think he's kind of at the top of point guards. Um, he's ranked, I think, number one in the state in 2024 for, for sure. Um, depending on who you talk to, he's the best player in the state, regardless of class state of Alabama. Um, 
as far as I know, and I haven't put the stats in from last week's, he was still averaging right at 40 points a game. Um, it probably will go down a little bit because I don't think he scored 40 in any of the games we played, uh, any of the four games we played um, in Huntsville last week. But um, he'll still be very close to the top of the country at 39, 38 points a game either way, which for those of us that coach high school basketball, there's only 32 minutes. There's only about 60 to 70 possessions a game, and he's scoring, you know, 35 to 40 a game. Um, it's it's really impressive. Um, LeBaron is a – I will call him a combo guard. He's not necessarily your typical point guard. He's also not your typical shooting guard. Um, he can do a little bit of everything. He can score. You know, he can shoot the ball. I think he's shooting close to 35% from three. Um, he's great in the mid-range. Um, his length and height makes him – very dangerous in the mid-range. It's hard to contest his mid-range jumper. Um, he's really good and crafty at getting to the rim and finishing around the rim. Uh, he does a great job there. He's shooting, I think, 85 87% from the free throw line right now. Um, he can finish above the rim. He can dunk. Um, he can play on-ball defense when we, when we ask him to or he wants to. Uh, and – He's probably averaging two blocks a game. A lot of others are chase downs. He, he's a really good underrated defender. Um, I think he's averaging about six or seven um, rebounds a game as well. Uh, he's underrated as far as how he can get the ball in any way, shape, form, or fashion. Um, I have yet to find a defense that legitimately slows him down. Um, it may take a two minutes for him to figure out what somebody's trying to do. Um, and then he kind of picks it apart on his own. People have asked me how would I defend him, and I honestly couldn't tell you the tr tell you exactly what I would do. Um, people have sent two at him. People have sent three at him, and he still scores or still finds somebody open to score. When we're we're healthy right now, we're getting back to being fully healthy as a team. Um, so he's got guys around him that are making shots and doing a great job for him. Um, so his assist numbers are going up. And that is becoming a bigger part of his game when he starts to trust the guys around him. And if he can make a pass and they can knock down a shot, it makes his life easier. And I'm telling you, I, I have not seen a player better than him in any game I've ever coached. Um, and I coached against, you know, Trenton Wadford, who's playing for the Portland Trailblazers now, who was a different player, 6'9", you know, big old, big old child, plays the four, but you know, LeBaron's skill level and ability to score, ability to get open um, is better than just about anybody I've ever seen. Unbelievable. I, I don't know that that people uh, that, that aren't coaches can truly grasp how, how good you have to be to average 40 points a game. You, you know, I, it, it, it's crazy. Now, I'm a, I'm a high school girls basketball coach, so it's a little bit different. The scoring's a little bit lower. But, but there are literally some teams on our schedule that don't average 40 points a game. It, it, it's, it's, it's insane. I, I'm just thinking back as you're talking, I've had, you know, four or 5,000-point scorers. And to be a 1,000-point scorer, you got to be someone that, that you know, over, over the course of a couple of years, average, you know, 18, 20 points a game. And, and, sure. and it just so so how many points does he have for his high school career so far 
or, or just ball. You would have said, yeah, I think he's getting close to 2000. I have not, uh, I've not added the last couple of games into my little spreadsheet that I have to keep track of it. Um, he passed, I mean, became our all time leading scorer about two or three weeks ago um, in Baker high school history. And that was over 1700. Um, I think he'll be getting closer to the 2000 mark here sometime this month. Um, and I want to remind you, he's a junior. He's not a senior. This kid, right, right. you know, he started every game he's played in since his freshman first game of his freshman year. Um, he surpassed a thousand sometime last year. He beat our record this year. He'll pass that 2000 this year. Um, and he's got a shot at getting close to three. If he can continue the scoring pace he does now in the next year. Um, it's, I, somebody told me years ago, nobody will ever beat that record. Nobody will ever be an all-time leading scorer again. I said, okay, I mean, I, I didn't think anything different. Um, and this is before LeBaron showed up. And then LeBaron shows up and you're like, I think this is in danger. I think this is going to be dropped. I didn't know that it would happen as quickly as it has. But it's, it's fun to coach him. It makes it easier. It makes your life easier. You know where your point, you know where some of your points are coming from every night. Yeah, yeah, you, you know. We we've we've had success at, at UMS and and uh, that's one of the things that 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 I've never really had though is is someone that could that can go grab you a bucket when you need one you know and 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 those are few and far between not not many people do you know and and, and so uh, most of our stuff comes you know out of a set or through you know, transition or you know uh, an assist. You know, but when you can hand it to somebody and say, go get me one, you, you know, uh, I, I, I'm sure on, on your play sheet, you got a couple a uh, couple of barren plays where it's like, OK, uh, it, it's time to give him the ball and, and, and let him go to work for us. So my family and I want to use toes in the sand travel. Can you walk us through the process and how do we go about paying for that? Great question. Okay, first of all, I will get just a tiny bit of information like uh, where do you think you want to go? Do we have approximate dates? And how many people would like to go? The next step, I'll start collecting information about, uh, you know, basically answering the questions on your wish list. And we'll narrow it down to the few possibilities that work best for you and your family. As far as paying, uh, every vendor is a little bit different, but for the most part, they all want you to put down some form of deposit, and then you can either make payments along the way until the final payment date, or some of them offer a little bit better deal if you pay it all off at once. So it really depends on your budget and what works best for you. Well, the the simple part is just get him open. Like you, you just have to get him open. Once you get right. him open, then they let him do his own thing. And, you know, you give him parameters and you tell other people where to go. So you try to create space on the floor, yeah. um, but you let him be him, let him make the play. Uh, it's, you know, I, he's done that multiple times in the game when they got a close one, you know, I hey guys get the ball to him. Let's see what happens. I mean, I remember, Last year we were playing Theodore. It was a close game. We were struggling to score the whole game. And we drew a play up, and Theodore defended it differently than what I expected him to. So we really didn't have to run what I was talking about. And LeBaron kind of went on his own, 
and hits a last second buzzer beater to win the game, you know, and, you know, as a coach, I'm perfectly happy with that because that meant that his, his basketball IQ took over and he made a play. I don't need to be, (laughs) I don't need you to run my play to win a game. I don't care. As long as we win, I'm happy. You know, we, you know, a lot of people knock us saying that we don't run anything or we don't do this thing, but why would you, why would you try to set up something that can be scouted when you've got a player that can do things that are unscoutable? Like that's, that's not, that's not, you don't have to run everything. You don't have to run chin to perfection just to get a shot off when you've got the player that can spread the floor and just do it himself. But he can make plays for others. He can do all the things that we need to do. You know, we work on spacing and talking about where the, where everybody should be and what you should do if this happens, you know, and then we try our best to allow the game to come to us in a way that you can't scout and you can't defend. And I am okay with all of that. That's the perfect way to do it. Well, uh, it's something that you can't say, and I'll go and say for you, for anybody out there who would criticize you because uh, they, they say you don't run enough stuff or this or that and the other. Obviously they don't know what the hell they're talking about because, you know, our, our jobs as coaches is to help put our kids in the right position so they can make plays. We're, we're no longer players. So it, it's our job sometimes to, to get out of their way. Uh, I, I, I know, man, I probably, for a good portion of my career, I probably overcoached. I probably tried to do too much uh, and and not let my kids play enough. You know, as you mature as a coach, as as you as you go, uh, you learn, and it, they've got to make the play for you. Just help put them in the right position. If if if, if they're already in the right position, or if you got the the ball in the right person's hands. Why in the heck would I try and do any more than that? Yeah, I mean, I think we, I think coaches a lot of times try to make the game overcomplicated. It ain't that hard. You're just trying to get the ball into the basket. And if you got a guy that can do that pretty easily, you just let him play and then let him kind of dictate where everything goes. And I'll be honest with you guys, I've got other guys that are really good that are everybody else's best player on any given night. And you know, LeBaron is just that – he's just a really good player. So whenever those guys are playing their best, you can't find a spot to stop us, and I don't need to tell them what to run to do it. Like it it's not – I've spent the last two years trying my best to make sure that when LeBaron's got the ball or whoever's got the ball, that we're just running something. We're not necessarily calling a specific set to get a specific guy a shot. That's not the goal. The goal is to let them lead, to let them do the things on the floor so that they're comfortable with what's called. Will I call a play? Yes. Will I, you know, set up something? And I'll tell you something I learned really early on. I think I was a JV coach when I figured this out. The patterns that you want to run on offense, if you want to run motion or you want to run chin or Princeton or ball screen motion or whatever the heck you want to run, all right? They're all nice. And we run them five on O and we run it five, 10 times in a row. Like we run the pattern five or six times over and over and over and over and over. And we try to get them to work. How many times in a game have you sat there and watched your kids run your play, your offense on five, six sides of the floor? If you have and your kids are doing it, they're not trying to score. Something's wrong. You need to get them to score. 
Yep. I have learned early on that when we run five on O, we run one side, two side, we score. That's it, just so that you get the pattern down. And then when the game comes, if we get it to the second side, awesome, because that's just an easier shot. But a lot of times the first side works because somebody else is trying their hardest to stop you from getting to the second side. Yeah. Well, if you're trying to stop me from getting to my second side, well, my first side, I'm going to score on it. I'm going to either score on the roll. I'm going to, you know, we run a lot of ball screen motion. So we're going to score there. And then when the play breaks down, all you're doing is playing dribble drive. <laughs> yeah. So we're just working through dribble drive stuff. We're attacking, kicking, looking for the layup, looking for an open three. And if we get it, we're great. I, I do not spend a ton of time running five on our offense. I will with JV guys, but I don't do it with varsity because we just – we never get there. Well, I, I think I became a lot better coach when I started doing less patterns and, and trying to be Pete Corral and run Princeton and backdoor people to death is when I just, uh, I guess, dictated more time in practice to let them play let them learn how to be players. I remember we were playing Williamson several years ago and we were a really good half court offensive team. Uh, And, and we just, we looked really good in practice. And and then we get, we go to Williamson and play and they pressed us from start to finish. And we never had a chance to run half court offense one time. And I'm thinking, why in the heck did I just waste an hour and a half in practice being a great half-court offensive team when we never had the opportunity. And so it's about learning learning what are you going to be able to do in the games that matter. It doesn't matter against the bad teams, the game, the games that matter. I, I, during COVID, when I was trying to figure out what, what I wanted to do because it was just mind-numbingly boring sitting at home all day, I went – I found this thing on – Twitter, some coach had done this spreadsheet to figure out how you score in every game. And I I got it from him. I started going through every film I had from the previous season and the seasons before and started trying to figure out how do we score? How do we normally score? Um, and it's some it's a, like 45 to 50 percent of your scoring comes in a transition opportunity. Now, girls may be different, maybe play back more. I don't know. But no, it's more. either breaking a is okay. more. Yeah. So you're breaking a press, you're taking a rebound and pushing the floor, or you're just scoring quickly because they're not getting set up on defense fast enough. And so the bulk of my practice is playing disadvantage, disadvantage transition stuff. You know, you do, we do a lot of two on one, three on two, into, you know, like circle transition, old army, I call it army drill, where you got four up, uh, four, three-point line extended, you know, four on the baseline, call a name out, throw it, make them have to play disadvantage, four or five on four or whatever. Yep. And we do that for 30, 45 minutes a day at practice just because that's where you're going to get most of your attempts. That's where you're going to get most of your scoring. That's where you're going to have to defend most of the time. And if you're not worried about how to guard in that or how to guard or play in that, you're in trouble. Yeah. None of that has anything to do with setting a ball screen, running a play, running a set. Now, we work on that stuff, obviously, but you, the amount of times you actually call a set in a game, if you're doing it right, to me, is very slim. You know, I'd, I'd rather just play. Let's play five on five. Let's go. 
And if we can get an advantage, let's take it. And, you know, thankfully, you know, obviously with LeBaron, LeBaron can break down that five on four. He can turn an, uh, an advantage for the defense into our advantage really quick because he's so fast at getting down the floor that that works. As long as I've got guys filling corners, you, you're not – you can't guard it if he does what he's supposed to. And we work on that kind of stuff in practice, push it, move it, get it as fast up the floor as we can and see if we can't score quickly. And then before you know it, we've scored three times and you're sitting there looking at yourself like, what do I do now? Yeah. You, you're no scout. No, there's no way to scout us. You know, I try to make it to where you can't scout us easily. That's the idea. Yeah. Yeah. Well, look, uh, we don't have a whole lot of time left here. This thing just flies by, but I did want, let, let well, as as a as a former college coach and you know high school coach now, to tell us now how many text messages a day do you get from uh, from coaches? Do you have any idea? It's not as it's not as many as you would think. You know, it, it, I I talk to coaches probably once or twice a week, three times a week, depending on the week. Um, a lot of it's like, hey, how you doing? You know, how's LeBaron? You know. When's your next game? Can I come to that? It was a little more early on when people were trying to figure out times to come to practice before their season started. Yeah. Um, you would talk to people, you know, four or five times a week trying to figure out when you could um, – those that aren't in the state of Alabama with us don't realize how hard it is to get gym time or practice time before the season starts. Yeah, We have so many rules dictating how long we can do it, and these college coaches want to come see in practice. Yep. So you're trying to figure out, all right, you can come here because we got this. And, you know, I had one day where I think I made some of them mad because I didn't, I didn't know this. I'm new to this. This is my first player anywhere near this type of caliber. <laughs> and I had a college coach get upset because, or I think he got upset because there was another college there too. Like there was more than one there one day. And you're like, yeah. guys, I only have two hours a week. If y'all want to see him play, y'all going to have to come over here and stack on top of each other. Yeah. You know, yeah. that's what you're going to need to do to be able to see. Um, you know, it's interesting. Uh, it's kind of cool to hear them. Like some of them are different. Some of them want to know how's all the, who else is recruiting? Who, how, who's he talking to? What's he thinking? And, you know, God love LeBaron. LeBaron leaves, doesn't tell us anything. He doesn't tell me anything. Doesn't tell his mom. Doesn't tell his godfather. Doesn't tell any of them really much of anything about what he's thinking when it comes to this stuff. He's just enjoying the ride at the moment. Yeah. And all of us are sitting there telling these coaches straight up, like, I don't know what he wants to do. Does he want to go to Auburn? I have no idea. Does he want to go to Ole Miss? I don't know. Does he want to go to Kansas? I have no idea yet. I mean, I think he's, you know, I think he's getting closer to a decision. He ain't said that yet, but I think he gets closer and closer as he goes. But, you know, it's been interesting getting to know some of these coaches and learn the rules and things that you didn't know before. Right. Um, I've been happy to learn that stuff. Have, have you had a game this year and looked out and not seen any college coaches? There's been a, yeah, it's, it, there's a couple. I mean, yeah, there's not as, they don't get to come as much as you want. You got to think these guys are all SEC coaches. They're not, you know, so they have very limited time to come mm -hmm. and do. And, you know, they're like us early in the year, their schedule's so up and down in January or in November and December of when you're playing because you're playing kind of non-conference schedule. Now that you get into conference schedules, it gets a little bit more uniform. They play on you know, Tuesday, Saturday or something like that. So their schedule gets a little easier. Um, you know, when we played in Huntsville this week, the first game or 
not first game, the second, I think it was first or second, first game we played, there was Tennessee and Auburn were there. Um, the championship game, we had, I think, Ole Miss, LSU, and Auburn were all there. Um, and the reason they weren't there on the second day when we played two games is because every SEC team in in the SEC was playing an SEC game on the 28th. Yeah. So they were all – there were some that were coming to the game before and then going to their game, and then some that went to their game and then came back to our game. You know, like – so they had – they were in the middle of working. You know, I, I commend those guys. They're not only scouting and trying to recruit players, but they are doing their game scouts and coaching games in the middle of it all. You know, it's – what they do is impressive. And anybody that's coached college basketball, you guys are the truth. That's a lot of work um, to try to do all that stuff. I'm, you know, yes, I have to drive the bus. Yes, I have to worry about food and washing clothes. But <laughs> that being on the road trying to go find a kid that you're recruiting is can't be fun all the time. Right, right. I, I had somebody ask me a couple days ago, Coach, uh, you, you plan on going back to college anytime soon? I was like, hell no. Because, <laughs> because you, you, again, like you say, all of those things that you've got to do, you add to the fact that now you're on the phone or you in a plane or you in a car or you in a hotel room chasing them down, you know, and, 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 and your game on Friday night ain't at McGill Tulin across town. It's in another state, you know. So yeah, uh, you're, you're playing, I think, was it Ole Miss was playing Tennessee at home. So Tennessee, Tennessee's coach, I guess, didn't get on the plane with the players. The Tennessee coach that came, he drove from Knoxville to Huntsville to watch us play, and they drove from Huntsville to um, Oxford for their game. You know, Auburn was at home, so Auburn, Auburn's coach drove from Auburn to the game in Huntsville, drove home. And then drove back, and that's not a short ride. I don't. That's not an easy ride, no matter what you do. To the game, you know, LSU flew up. Their head coach was at our game, and they played it. They played Arkansas at home. So you play Arkansas at home on Thursday night or on Wednesday night, and Thursday at twelve thirty, when I got to the gym to watch a different game, they were in the gym watching that game. And you're like, so that means they coached their game, went to sleep, got on a plane the next morning, and flew to Huntsville. And then stayed there the whole day yeah. and then flew home after that. And, you know, I, and then a coach from Ole Miss drove from Oxford to Huntsville and then drove back to watch one basketball game. Yep. Yep. I, I get LeBaron's good. I get it. But that's a lot of work to get one kid to come play for you. You know, that, that's that's a lot. Of, that's a lot of effort. And I commend those guys. That, and they can only do it a certain number of times. You know, they can only watch a kid play or see a kid live, even either in their gym at practice or at a game, like I think it's seven times total. So yeah. every time you go, you're checking off a box. How many times, you know, and I, I commend those dudes. They, they do a great job. They work hard at it. You know, there's a reason they get paid what they get paid. There's a reason that, you know, they're stressed out, I'm sure, because, you know, you don't get one and he goes to another school and he beats you next year, then yeah. your job's in jeopardy every time that I commend those guys. It's a it, it's a grind for sure. It's a grind for sure. Well, look, Coach, I'm not going to keep you any longer, man. I really, really appreciate your time. Uh, thanks for visiting with us. Um, I, I think uh, I think coaches are going to really enjoy this episode. Uh, man, best of luck to you guys. I, 
I know uh, it's not a bad thing that uh, that McGill Tulin is now six A. So uh, so so it's McGill not six. somebody, it's not somebody in mobile that uh, you got to get past. I was telling somebody this morning that you know I know McGill's down. McGill's in six A now. Theodore's down in six A now. Seven A in Alabama might be one of the toughest. Everybody's talked about six A for years. Seven A this year is not easy. You got us down here. Fairhope down here is pretty good. Yes, Enterprise, Jeff Davis, and Dothan are all pretty good yeah. uh, up there. Grissom, Sparkman, Huntsville, Bob Jones. All I saw those guys play this week. They're all good. It's Spain Park, Vestavia Hills, Thompson, Tusco. It's a minefield to get through 7A. Whoever wins 7A this year has done a job. I'm going to tell you <laughs> that right now. Well, Coach, hey, much, much success to you guys, man. Keep up the good work, uh, and, and I, I appreciate you. You ever need anything, give us a holler, man. Best of luck. Yes, sir. You too, Coach. Good luck this season. All right, Coach. You too. Bye-bye. See you. That's a wrap. I hope you enjoyed this episode. A big thank you to everyone who has continued to make this podcast become so popular. Please continue to share with your friends and colleagues. And when you have time, please take a minute to give it a five-star rating. Until then, we'll see you on the next episode.